You're listening to the Option Alpha Podcast from OptionAlpha.com, where we show you how to make smarter trades, learn how the stock market really works, and generate consistent monthly income. Now, your host and head trader at OptionAlpha.com, Kirk Duplessis. Hey everyone, this is Kirk here again from OptionAlpha.com, working every single week to make this the most popular investing podcast offered online because it's based on one thing and one thing only, and that's helping you guys make smarter trades. So thanks so much for tuning in today. On today's show, number 99, one show away from 100, we are going to be talking about the future of trading and why automated trading is going to dominate the investing world and what we can do or what you can do now to prepare for it. Now, there's a little bit of a change, not necessarily in logic or thought process, but seems like it from show number 52 that we had back on the podcast where we talked about how robo-advisors are not the wave of the future. But what I'm talking about here is I'm talking about automated trading systems and the inputs and people behind them, the concepts, the structures, the the strategy behind it. So I want to start off this conversation first by talking about great players. And and I think this is a good story because it kind of proves the point of what I'm trying to say here. And so right now at the time that we're doing this podcast, we're going through the Stanley Cup finals, which for those of you who don't know, that's the hockey in in the United States. I feel like it's a weird saying this sometimes, like you don't know what the high, you know, the NHL is, but you might, you might not. I'm not like taking it for granted or assuming anything. So it's the NHL National Hockey League and it's the finals and the Pittsburgh Penguins are in the finals, which happens to be my adopted team because I didn't have a hockey team. And so when me and my wife got together and she's a Pittsburgh native and I said, okay, fine, I'll take the Penguins. So I've actually been a, a pretty big Penguins fan for a bunch of years now. And so really excited about this. And, and we had a chance actually to go to one of the the second game of the Stanley Cup finals. And this was a couple of weeks ago now, and it was great. It was a really fun time and it was good to go in there and see them, you know, kind of warm up. One of the greatest players and arguably probably will go down as one of the greatest players that that's lived is Sidney Crosby, who's the the captain of the Penguins. And what was interesting to to do for me as a guy who studies and like geeks out on just people who are successful and what they do in any stretch, financial, business, you know, professional sports, whatever you want to call it. I watched him during the game. And the saying that people have about hockey is that great players will anticipate and skate to where the puck is going, not where the puck is. And I'll say that again. So great players anticipate and skate to where the puck is going, not where the puck is or might have been. And I couldn't agree with that more. And watching that game that we went to, I watched Sidney Crosby the whole night, right? Because it's like you have a chance to watch, if you were to go back in time and watch Michael Jordan or Larry Bird or any of the NFL grades, I mean, like you watch them like Hawks because you know how good they are. And this is your opportunity to see them in person. And so I watched him all game and man, it couldn't have been more accurate. You would see him take off before somebody even did anything. And then a pass comes three seconds later to him, right? I mean, it's the anticipation to move where things are going and to make that initial jump that was so key and probably is so key to his success. And I think we can all learn a lot from just that concept about anticipating where things are going. So that's why today in show number 99, before we get to show 100, I want to have this conversation about anticipating where the market is going, where the investing world is going, and why automated, computer-driven, data-driven systems are going to dominate the world. This is not a fantasy. This is not a 
theory. It's already happening. And we'll talk about it in the show because I think some of the stuff that we'll point to will really push you over the edge to believing that this is something that you've got to start acting on and you've got to start preparing for because we are just in the infancy stages of this, even though it seems like even the last show we talked about 98, where I said, you know, look, you know, things are maybe five years out, 10 years out from like super, super everything computer driven trading. And maybe that is, but we are just on the beginning, like cusp of this, this huge wave in how we change investing. And I think it's actually coming at an, an interesting time because it's switching from indexing, which I think is all the hype right now. So, so I'll start with this in today's show and kind of, you know, talk about a lot of different concepts, but the first one I want to talk about is this is this thought process of indexing. Indexing is all the hype right now. Everyone wants to index and and mainly because you've got guys like Warren Buffett et cetera who are out talking about it. And and I don't disagree that I think that indexing for somebody who doesn't want an active approach to trading or managing their money is the best way to go. If you're not going to decide that you want to be active and want to have an active participation in your portfolio, great. Be totally passive and indexing, but Please understand that even those guys like Warren Buffett, et cetera, are still trading options in the back end, just as a side note. But here's the thing. Active and passive management, in my opinion, is meaningless anymore. It really is because there's no true distinction between active and passive management. I'll give you the best example of this I can possibly give. If you are just going to buy the S&P 500 index, you have made an active management decision. Most people would think that that is a passive decision. I'm just going to buy the market and sit on the S&P 500 market. Well, the S&P 500 accounts for about 18 to 20% of all the world's financial assets. Okay. We do not live in just the United States for those of you who are in the United States, or if you're across, you know, the pond or you're in Australia or whatever, you don't live in just your country. Everything is now interconnected. It's a global community, a global financial system. That's why things like Greece can affect things here in the States or anything in Spain can affect something in Germany. Okay. We're all interconnected. So when you make the Airfingers quotes passive decision to just buy the S&P 500 and ride it out as a passive index investor, you've actually made an extremely aggressive, potentially active decision, an active management decision to basically sit out everything else and only hold this one small slice of the global economy. That's no different, no different than if you decided to only buy and hold a couple stocks of the S&P. It's the same concept, the same logic applied to different markets, right? So hopefully you guys will agree with me. And hopefully I even kind of change your thinking a little bit really quickly here on this podcast into saying that, you know, like active management and passive management, the lines are so blurred that you can't tell the difference. So let me give you one more example of this because I really want to drive this home. I think it's so, so important in this in this economy. Two more examples, I guess. The other example is ETF. So naturally, over the last, let's say, five years, as more and more people have gotten into active or into passive investing, indexing, basically, buying the indexes in any capacity, we've also seen a huge rise in ETFs. Now, ETFs are just a low-cost way to track whatever the heck you want to track. And this is where people, I think, get so mixed up on this because ETFs are basically like attaching a tracking tag to anything you want to track. But what people don't understand is the underlying equity or the underlying securities that that ETF basket is tracking still may be an active basket of securities, right? So don't assume 
incorrectly that your buying of an ETF means that you are now an index passive investor. No, if your ETF is attached to a pig, then that ETF is going to track the movement of that pig, right? And so you're not buying just the tracking device on top. You're buying the pig and, and where the pig goes. I don't know why I said a pig. I'm just using a pig analogy, whatever it is. Okay. But you understand the concept. Like it is the underlying thing behind it. What's crazy about this too, is that there are now ETFs that range from mid cap to super high cap that track short-term volatility, that track hedge funds, that track junk bonds. Now, is that the type of investing that people really think that they're doing? No way. People don't think that they're doing that. They're buying an ETF and they're getting sold. You're buying an ETF, an exchange traded fund. It's low fees. It's index passive investing. No, it's not. You're buying an active approach to something that has a root active management you know, philosophy or strategy behind it. So don't be fooled into thinking that index investing is by any stretch a passive way to go. Because by doing it, you're making an active decision not to do something else or to do something in something that you maybe don't understand. So the third thing that I want to talk about in index investing is is basically this concept, which, which I think we're truly in right now. And whether it lasts another five years or two years or 10 days from whenever we release this, this podcast, is that the rise of index investing, which nobody is talking about, or probably very few people are talking about, The rise of index investing has meant that people are blindly throwing their money into the market. And and let's really digress this right now. Forward PE ratios are at the highest level they've been since only two events back in time, right? Only two events back in time have forward PE ratios been as high as they are right now. Now on any stretch, on any valuation metric, many, many people have already argued, and you could argue for sure, that prices for stocks and equity securities in the U.S. are at insanely high levels. But everyone else is thinking that active, air fingers quotes, passive investing is the way to go. So anytime they have extra money, they're blindly throwing it in there. Now, could it be a good thing for the next 10 or 20 years? Sure, but most people really aren't investing with that type of longevity in mind when they buy security. And I'll give you an example of this. My my sister-in-law, which I love to death. So Sarah, if you're listening to this, I love you to death. But Sarah, when I have talked to her about investing and doing this kind of stuff, I said, look, you got to have a long-term horizon if you're going to buy anything. I mean, you got to have a 10, 20 year horizon. And so she'll buy something and then it'll go up and she's excited and it'll go down and she'll say, you know, it's going down. Should I get out? And I'm like, wait, it's only been like three months. I mean, like it's going to move. Right. But that's the type of philosophy that most people have. So they don't even know you know, right or wrong at their own fault or not. It's just what actually happens. It's it's nature of what's, you know, happening in the, in the market right now. They don't even know what they're buying. I mean, they really don't. So this index philosophy that's really maybe even driving the markets higher than what they should be ultimately will come crashing down at some point and reset. I mean, this is what we talked about in show number 98. These black swan events are here as the check and balance for the system. And so index investing has been really, really popular. ETF investing has been super, super popular. And I think that's part of the reason. It's not all the reason, but it's part of the reason why we've seen such a strong, strong market because everyone just is blindly, you know, throwing money in here. And that doesn't mean that it's the right thing to do, right? Especially at the levels that it's at. So where do we go from here, right? So hopefully I made a really good case for why I think this whole passive versus active thing is blurred and why you should maybe take a different approach. But where do we go from here? Why automated trading? So I want to do two things. One, I want to just read to you a article from uh, the beginning of an article. I'm not even going to read the whole article from Forbes. I'll link up to it in the show notes page. You can get to it by going to optionalpha.com slash show 99. 
Again, that's just the number 99, optionoff.com slash show 99. It was from February of this year, 2017. And here's what it said. I'll just read you like the first like couple of paragraphs here. It said the top hedge funds that use computers and quantitative models to drive financial markets have generated $113 billion in net gains over the last year. Did you guys hear that? $113 billion using computers and quantitative models, not hunches, not I think this company is really good valuation. It's math. It's data-driven approach to how you trade. These funds, and so I digress, I'll get back to you now. They make up a quarter of all the total net gains produced by the top 20 hedge funds in history. Now, these funds, they had a survey of the top 20 funds, and it showed for the first time this year, or it includes data from some hedge funds that have systems-based only approaches to investing, meaning they only trade based on computer data-driven results. For the first time, it has like more of these hedge funds in here than any other time. And this is what I was talking about earlier. We are on the beginning, the beginning stages of what could potentially be a huge shift over time in how people invest. And it's important to see this right now because these hedge funds are always the front runners of this, right? And so we want to be right behind them, right? I mean, like we don't, you know, as retail traders, we don't have most of the, you know, technology or capital to do this unless you buy our toolbox software, which gets you a lot of the way there. Then, you know, we have to be right behind. But here's the point, right? So it says, according to LCH Investments, four of the top 20 hedge funds generated the highest amounts of net returns are highly reliant on algorithm-only trading. Those hedge funds include Ray Dalio's billion-dollar fund at Bridgewater Associates, which has produced $49 billion in net gains since inception, more than any other hedge fund. Now, I actually put a quote on the page that describes and kind of teaches you about our new toolbox software, a quote from Ray Dalio, because he even said that we've been quietly doing this computer-based trading for years. And I say this to people all the time, and some people believe me and some people don't believe me, but the reality is, whoever you want to believe, is that these guys are doing it. They're using quantitative models and data-driven models to make decisions. This is exactly why we built the Toolbox software, which has not only the backtesting capability, but the trade optimization capability, because it should be more of a data-driven approach to how we're trading. This is how I'm transitioning as a as a trader myself. I'm trying to skate where the puck is going, basically. I'm trying to anticipate this move coming on. That's why we started two years ago doing this, and, and hopefully we're actually catching up to all these guys maybe a little bit early. So here's one last thing that I want to tell you guys about. So they said that LCH has long included Bridgewater in its top 20 managers list, but for the first time, the list also includes three major hedge funds known for computer and data-driven approaches. D.E. Shaw, the quant firm founded by David Shaw, lands in the third spot, generating $25.3 billion in net gains. Billionaire Ken Griffith's Citadel, which also uses systems-based approaches, is fifth with $25.2 billion in gains. And Two Sigma Investments, the quant firm run by billionaire John Overdeck and David Seigel, are in the 20th spot of the top hedge funds with $13.1 billion in net gains. Guys, this is the first time we're starting to see these systems-based approaches start to really come to the top. And there's no surprise in that to me, honestly. Like I, I read the comments in this and everyone's like so surprised that this is happening. There's no surprise in this to me. This is a data-driven economy. It's going to be or a data-driven market and it's going to become more so in the future. So anybody who jumps on board to this type of thinking early on is going to 
earn way more or get paid way more to do this. And it's this big data machine learning type thing that's really, really important. That's frankly why, and I, I say this even in the video on the on the sales page for the toolbox software, why I spent $256,000 of my money now from, you know, my own money from membership dues. I mean, like I consider us to be the crowdfunding source here for this type of stuff for the retail trader like you guys, because we can pool our money together through this software and continue to buy more and more data and build out technology that does this type of stuff. And it took a long time for us, obviously, to do this. It took two years, but these guys maybe could have done it in 10 days, but they keep it secret. They keep it under, you know, like hook and dagger, lock and key, right? Because they want to make sure that it's just for them. And so we're trying to do something very, very similar, which I think we we definitely accomplish in a way here at Option Alpha. So, you know, I think over time, obviously, I mean, look, you know, the market is going to have more and more of these computer generated models and computer generated systems, even any active or manager that you go to now is relying upon computer data or historical projected data, implied volatility data to make decisions. It's just how the market is evolving, but it's going to increase rapidly over the next, let's say five and 10 years. If just in 2017, we've started to see the top hedge funds now start to have a more direct focus, or even in some cases, sole focused on making decisions based on quantitative models and system-based models, you can better believe that the next step behind them will be retail, meaning me and you and everybody else. Gone are the days of people making, you know, a lot of long buy and hold decisions based on the company and, you know, who the manager is and why you like Elon Musk or you don't like Elon Musk or why you like Apple products or not. It's going to be more algorithm and data-based trading than ever before. And so, when I think about the future of Option Alpha, when and I mentioned this in show number, I think it was on show number 95 when we kind of launched the optimizer, I talked about, you know, kind of the future of where I see Option Alpha and the future of where I'm building it. The next stage for us and really the, the next big stage that we will get to eventually is going to be automated trading, you know, through Option Alpha, not as a broker or not as a, you know, as a trading house and we won't handle any money, but we'll just be the system, the computer that that helps you automate your trades connected to whatever broker you want. That's that's really my ultimate goal here. And so we've been building things in lockstep to get to that point eventually. And you know, it might take two years or three years to get to that point. And, and we have to wait for the brokers to catch up in technology and to accept it and you know to do all the hurdles we need to in development. But that's where we are going because that's where I want to go. And I say this in all honesty because you know, when we started building out the toolbox software to backtest and optimize trades. I did that for myself selfishly because I knew that's what I wanted. I knew everyone else wanted it too, but we built that technology because that's what was required in the market. I saw this coming a long time ago. And so now the next logical step is remove the latency of me looking at the screen and then manually placing my own trade and just let the system kind of self-place trades by itself. And that's that type of automated trading that is not available in most cases to retail traders. I mean, definitely not in the options trading space like it should be, and it will be in the future. And so I thought that this was a good, hopefully a good conversation and, and kind of, you know, letting you guys know what's happening and and honestly, hopefully reassuring to know that I'm really busting my hump here to make sure that Option Alpha is continuously at the forefront of this stuff. I'm super, super passionate about this, as many of you guys know, and hopefully can come through and what we're doing. 
but I really, really believe in, in some of this stuff. And, and I think we've actually been skating to where the puck is going for the last couple of years. And we're right in step with some of the major, major hedge funds in this space, which is cool to see, which is very cool to see and very, very fun process to go through. So again, if you want to read that article, the whole thing, it's a great Forbes piece, again, from back in February of 2017. We'll have a link up on the show notes page, optionalpha.com slash show 99. Again, optionalpha.com slash show 99. And now our favorite part of the show, Trader Q&A, where we ask a question from one of our current members about options trading. Got a question you'd like to ask Kirk to answer live on the air? Just head on over to optionalpha.com forward slash ask and hit the record button to leave a message. That's optionalpha.com forward slash ask. And now here's today's question. Hello, Kirk. Thanks for your recording. Love your enthusiasm. As slightly more experienced a technical trader, I would greatly appreciate options Information that would maximize technical biases, for example, when I have a strong bullish thesis, how to uh, maximize the uh, bullish rather than a neutral or, or bearish thesis. And do use technical analysis, it does work, not moving, moving averages, but just to optimize the edge that I have from technical analysis with options. Thank you very much. Bye. All right, Rob. Hey, man, thank you so much for submitting the question. And it's great to first hear that you're using technicals. And I agree, they do work and not the moving averages, as many people know. So here's how I think about technicals. And we actually talked about this a lot in the previous episode, show number 98, during our closing bell segment where we are queuing it. Yeah, closing bell segment where we made a trade in XLU. And that actually has ended up working out decent right now. It's totally not a profit target yet, but it's moving in the right direction. But I do use technicals as a way to also look at trade entries for skew. And so the way that I look at them and the way I think about them, and this will help you out for sure, is that if I see a technical buy signal, like what you were talking about, where you're bullish on something, I will either skew my trade bullish. So if I'm doing something that's more neutral, I might just maybe skew the the middle part of the strategy or the fat part of the strategy, maybe a little bit higher to account for maybe a rise in the security. Or I might just use a straight up bullish strategy. But I think what the key is, is that when you use options with technicals, options give you a margin for error that you can't get just buying stock. So if you get a bullish signal and a stock's at $50, you basically got to buy the stock at $50 and hope it goes higher than 50. With options, the way that I like to do is if I get a technical signal and the stock's at $50 and I get a bullish indicator, then I like to maybe sell a put credit spread below the market and still give myself a $5 margin of error that if the stock goes down, I can still generate some cash. And if it goes up, great. And if it stays the same, great, I make some money. So that's the way that I like to use it with technical analysis. I don't want to be overly aggressive on technical signals because even the best signals aren't as good as probabilities, but I do want to give myself a margin of error and still keeping in mind that my whole overall portfolio has to be pretty balanced, right? So that's the way I use options with technical analysis. Hopefully that helps out, Rob. Again, if you would like to get your question answered here on the podcast or live on Facebook and Periscope, as I've already been doing day in and day out, head on over to optionalpha.com slash ask and click the big red button in the middle of the screen. Leave me a private voicemail. There's no software to download or install. It's honestly very, very simple. You can do it in less than 15 seconds and get that question in so we can get it answered here on the show. Now, before we get into the closing bell segment, I do want to let you guys know we are still in the middle of our big launch of our new Traders Toolbox software, which is really kind of going lockstep in key with everything that we talked about and, and really has been a huge game changer in this industry because it gives you the ability to backtest strategies instantly. I mean, in less than 18 seconds, you can backtest and tweak strategies. 
and use trade optimization software to figure out what the best trade is right now. So whatever the market situation is right now, you plug that into the software and it basically spits out the best opportunities for you to trade right now so that you can choose something that fits good for your portfolio. And so it's really, you know, kind of groundbreaking technology that took a long time to develop, but the ultimate end result here is that you don't have to do as much thinking and as much theory-based you know, assumptions as you used to before. So all these questions like what tickers do I use or what strategy or how do I set it up? What should my profit target or my stop loss be? It's all taken care of because the trade optimization software tells you exactly how to set up the trade, when to take profits, when to use a stop loss or not, how far out till expiration to set up the trade. I mean, literally everything that you need is built in there. You just have to follow it. And that's always the hardest part. So I make this huge disclaimer is that the software is fantastic. It's wonderful. It's really good. And I'm really pushing it because I really believe in it. But ultimately, you still have to make the trades until we get to the point, maybe in a couple of years, where we can auto trade this stuff in brokerage accounts. And, and that's, again, the, the track that we're going on. But until then, you still got to make the, the trades and the you know position sizes and stuff like that, which is, again, all the data is right there in front of you. You just have to do it. So you can learn more about the Trader's Toolbox and how to get access to it. Again, it's one time, you know, a couple hundred dollars cost, very nominal fee to get in and you get lifetime access to all updates, everything for the rest of your life. So ridiculous value. You can learn more about it by going to optionalpha.com slash toolbox. Again, that's just one word, optionalpha.com slash toolbox. Now, the closing bell. Find out which stocks we're looking at right now, trades we're making, and hear our game plan moving forward. All right, so in today's closing bell segment, I want to talk about a new trade that we just got into in XRT. So XRT is another ETF. It's an ETF in the retail space that has really had a, a pretty good you know, drawdown, I guess, since 2006, the beginning of 2006. It was as high as 48 just before 2006, or I'm sorry, 2007, heading into 2007, and it's now down to around 40. And as such, implied volatility has been a little bit elevated here. So it's not insanely high, but it's definitely a little bit elevated. And I think it just creates a good opportunity to sell some premiums. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna sell a premium about 45 days out, July expiration, that's, again, about a month and a half out from where we are now. It's kind of a a good little spot to trade some iron butterflies here based on the back testing that we've done. And we're going to sell the at-the-money strikes at 40. That's where the, the ETF is trading right now. And buying wings on either end of $5. So we'll buy the calls at $45 and we'll buy the puts at $35. That's a $5 wide spread on either side. And those calls and puts that we're buying, they're really cheap. So this is basically like doing a synthetic straddle, if you will, where we're selling the inside legs, we're selling the calls for 126, we're selling the puts for 79, and we're buying the outside legs for a total of $9 each. So you can see like we're not spending a lot of money here, but we are trying to kind of curb that tail risk or that black swan risk, if you will, in something like this by buying very, very cheap, very far out protection. So it is an iron butterfly, but it acts more like a straddle. It's the first position that we've built in July. So we'll continue to ladder into more trades and add more trades over the next couple of weeks as we get closer to expiration. But 
we want to get started here with just a nice big iron butterfly and kind of set up a position, set up base camp, if you will, right over the market and see what we can't get as we get through expiration. Thanks for listening to the Option Alpha podcast. If you liked what you heard, please drop by iTunes and leave a rating or comment. Plus, you can get everything. Free email updates for future shows, transcripts, video tutorials, case studies, and more. Just visit our website at optionalpha.com. All right, so I truly hope you guys did enjoy today's show and got at least one little idea out of it that you can apply right now to make you a smarter, more profitable trader and investor. As always, you can get additional resources, any links mentioned in the show, and some related video training from today's show by going to optionalpha.com slash show 99. Again, that's optionalpha.com slash show 99. Until next time, happy trading.